0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.
1: Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the eastern border. Speaking a bit more um, quieter than usual, since uh, me and Anthony here, he's sitting a couple of meters from me, working on on his laptop for for his work. We're in Mykolaiv now. We arrived uh, today with a very long trip from Kiev and went through Odessa. Also grabbed an interview with uh, the Belarusian guys who are here and fighting for Ukraine now. They were very enthusiastic. I got the famous Keith, the guy who um, basically is the commander of all these forces here and uh, who's ready to, after the war, go back home and uh, do things about Lukashenko's regime. But uh, due to the sensitive information of the whole subject matter and uh, how it needs to be approved so that I don't post anything bad about this, I'm going to spend tomorrow tomorrow evening writing about uh, the situation there. Probably uh, not going to have an episode tomorrow evening because of this, because I don't know how tired I'll be, because tomorrow we're um, we're going and having an interview with the rescue guys, and with the governor, apparently, and maybe with the mayor as well. I couldn't really understand the guys that were taking me around here, but uh, lots of work. If there's a missile strike here, we'll also go and uh, investigate that thing. So, a lot of work. I will be uh, writing an article about the interview with the Belarusian guys since... That kind of matters, since, well, Gyrkin and other pro-Russian people commenting on the whole mobilization in the war, they have been pushing the fact that Lukashenko needs to enter the war, and that, you know, he has everything to lose and nothing to gain from staying aside, even though entering the war with troops would also be a breaking point and would probably cost him his life as well. uh, It's a complex situation, so I believe that what the Belarusians that are fighting for Ukraine told me is really important. I'm gonna get that one published because, yeah. Well, I don't know how to pre-approve podcasts. I have to show the written text to the to the guys, so I'll do that. But um, in general, we have a bunch of interesting stuff to tell you about. Anyways, today we um we also you know during this whole travel had to say the roads were pretty good. All the ones that were recently fixed apparently. Uh, uh, Zelensky has been investing a lot of money in this whole situation and uh the roads were quite high quality also i have to say that the the gas station food here in ukraine it's uh it's amazing it's much better than what we have back in Latvia. and uh, well the fanciest gas station that i saw was uh, an Azerbaijani one i don't remember the name of it though but uh really they had like looked like a fancy cafe inside in their whole store thing weird all this cultural thing is a bit different than at home but managing on the way to on the way to Mikolaev we um we saw a bunch of trucks that were apparently either carrying um a lot of uh, supplies for the front lines, or well on the other hand there were also a lot of the trucks standing on the sides side of the road, since they probably were carrying uh, the grain for export, but uh neither Odessa nor Nikolaev had allowed them to enter apparently because of the danger. There had been more strikes in Odessa uh, with the drones today. So, that was that was a situation. Not many checkpoints on the way on the Kiev side, on the upper side of Ukraine. But uh, on our way from Odessa to Mikolaev, there were checkpoints. Obviously, we got checked quite thoroughly. Had to show up my passport and accreditation, everything. And in Mikolaev, there is what you would call a light camouflage. That is, everything is super darkened in case of any strikes and and things like that. So, bit of a hard adventure here. We're gonna record a longer episode once we get back, and I have some plans uh, about what I'm gonna write and what's gonna happen. and uh, Obviously, preparing to do all sorts of things, but just oh, <laughs> so tired. Probably the longest road trip, road trip in my life. About the referendums, well, uh, I wanted to check how how the Russian side defends these obviously sham referendums, and they have some excuses. For example, Girkin states that uh, everyone who was Girkin obviously has to defend the position that all these referendums that are happening here are totally legit because, you know, he was the guy who went in Crimea and literally threatened the deputies there to organize the referendum under guns. He was the guy with the guns in the whole referendum area in Kiev sorry, in Crimea, which was a sham referendum here. But uh he can't say that he basically forced everyone to to join. So now he states that these are referendums that involve both uh Luhansk and Donetsk and Kherson and Zaporozhye, which is interesting, also kind of have to be admitted as legitimate. And he states that uh, in Luhansk and Donetsk, these sham referendums, well, obviously they're going to be over 90%, because everyone who was an evil hoho, as he likes to call them, uh, have left already, and that people there are really, really hopeful for the Russian occupation, which I find doubtful, although, you know, everyone who was pro-Ukraine kind of did leave those areas. So that's a bit weird situation although they've been living under a dictatorship of uh, Dmitry Pushilin, who, who used to run MMM for a long while but uh, the pro russian side also tries to justify that all these other referendums will be totally legit even if we have clear information that these referendums are literally being being forced being being pushed under under the barrel of a gun there they have uh, they are apparently to reports from the Kherson telegram they are they're basically moving in the squads of three you know just like in that old soviet joke you know why does the kgb always walk around in squads of three well one to read one to write and the other the other one to look at the two to to look after the two intellectuals and the same thing is happening apparently and uh, there are doors that are being kicked in you know people just are a lot of people uh, just have their doors kicked in angry guys with guns come in they force you to scrap something on the paper. And you better check the right, you know, the, the correct mark, and then they leave. And a lot of people uh, complain about this on, on Twitter as well. So, extremely legit referenda. And also, you know, uh, if you remember that earlier in the war, Russia deported a lot of Ukrainians to various regions, mostly into the Far East. So, uh, there are voting booths for this referendum in Sakhalin and in, in other, like, distant areas where th- hundreds of thousands of people have been deported. Yeah, obviously they're a totally voluntary. You can go there and vote while being deported over there for, um, well, you being super happy that your previous place where you lived in is now, um, well, under Russian control, which is kind of funny. Especially thinking that uh, probably no one in those areas actually goes and votes, but uh, such a nice way of creating a referendum where you can just say that in Sakhalin, everyone, all the Three bajillion people who now live there from Ukraine voted yes for them to join Russia, obviously. Like, it's even easier for them. They I don't even know why they bother running around homes and kicking doors, and I guess they have to perform some imitation of, of work there, presumably. And final final thing is that uh, that um, Getkin and, and the other people like him, they also mention Zaporozhye district, which is interesting because... Russia controls a super tiny part of that region. They don't control the capital of the region, they don't control the biggest cities, they control they control over only two kind of smaller-sized settlements there. And then, in those, to create a sham referendum
2: for all the region joining Russian Federation,
1: Yeah, that uh, that isn't doing that well. And they don't control 100% of any of these regions. There are territories in Luhansk and, and um, Donetsk that are also under Ukrainian control. And the uh, situation in Luhansk is even weirder since, well, the forces Russian forces in, in Liman are almost encircled i mentioned the kind of the bag thing yesterday there's been heavy fighting there today and uh, the encirclement is almost complete at the same time while forces russian forces that again gyrkin and other pro-russian people complain about that they're being wasted is that on the other end of the bag they're doing some sort of counterattacks and and in, in like useless territories basically you know when when the end of your bag is closing then you try to Push some pixels on the other other side of this bag to basically capture some some tiny points. And even if those those attacks succeed, it doesn't matter at all and doesn't change the situation. Since uh, yeah, if you if you move 300 meters in one direction over there, you're still getting encircled. So that's a weird decision. But uh, Wagner group are doing what they want, and they're not exactly under a lot of military supervision. At the same time, well. More uh, leaders, sort of traitors to Ukraine, have been um, killed today. One of them who had moved to Kherson also had exploded. And uh, leaders of Wagner Group have also been, been killed in action. These guys have, you know, very shortened lifespans, which is interesting. Nothing new about uh, Milonov, the uh, deputy, one of the four guys who um, moved to the front lines. Apparently he's in now. No new, informa- no new information about him, but um, we're going to have to check soon enough because I uh I think he's gonna stay even if the parliament tells him tells him not to. In other news, well yesterday I spoke about well, how mobilization is a mess and apparently apparently, uh I was told that the guys will be preparing for two weeks, training for two weeks. Some of these people we have quite a lot of uh people that uh are reporting this in various telegram channels is that at at least a thousand, maybe a couple of thousand people are just being sent to the front lines right now. Just with a day of training to kind of patch up some holes in the defenses. But um yeah, I don't know how that'll work with the equipment shortages and what's happening there. Those are very fresh reports, but uh with a sheer amount of them, I, I believe that well, even if half of them are true, then uh obviously things are aren't looking that good, because those guys are definitely, definitely going to be casualties of the war. Secondly, we've also seen protests in the Dagestani region, that's in Caucasus Mountains, and those protests are very active. Uh, I've seen videos where locals actually beat back the police and, and, you know, grab some uh, conscripts, soon-to-be conscripts, and and just drag them away, and uh, Dagestani people being there, they're not Chechnya, they're, they're angry with Chechnya, but they're, they're, they usually also had a very corrupt leadership. Dagestan was also one of the regions which in elections usually gathered 99.9% votes for Putin. But uh, it looks like they've had enough, since they're also one of the poorer regions. And they, uh, they've they also, just like Buryatia uh, and, and Zabaikalia and all those places, have been disproportionately affected by the war, since that's one of the regions, again, very hot region. Very, very proud region in Caucasus Mountains that have been affected by this war. They are also the guys who had a larger quota because, again, poor region, more conscripts on a regular basis, more contract, contracted soldiers, and if you look at the map of the casualties there and the high rates, these are the people who are now being mobilized after they had already buried a lot of their own people. That's an interesting thing to, l- to look at at this, at this point. We're going to see how this goes, but so far they are uh, quite possibly the only region that uh that are actually doing some really good protesting which is nice and finally about the mobilization uh well i was predicting that the borders would close and the channel of khodorkovsky the oppositionary guy he he also stated that uh the borders will probably be closed for all males starting from starting from 28th but it seems that at least in some regions and I have I have reports like from Flash News Ukraine who just literally tweeted that it's happening today. I haven't seen that in pro war channels, but I've seen reports that at least in Ryazan, they have literally been banning exits for males who are on the appropriate age, also for medical workers and other kind of important important, strategically important uh, workers over there in that region. So if you're a nurse there, you can't exit and everything. You have to get a special permit from the conscription center to leave. And, you know, that obviously means that they are just getting conscripted. So the situation is tightening and everything's getting more and more weird. I have a lot of things to write about. Tomorrow is going to be a long and interesting day. But, uh, yeah, we're going to look at the successes of the front and checking out what's happening also interestingly enough uh one of the things that surprised me is that over here in ukraine you know i've been using a lot of Aristovich sources but a lot of people here aren't that happy about what Aristovich says in his fagin costs right since apparently he is um, saying some things which are not enjoyed by the military and some people stated that he's problematic because of his political views he's he used to be apparently pro-soviet at some point point. I can't really attest to that But I've also heard reports that he was really good At the beginning of the war The psychologist of the Ukrainians that calmed them down But that now what he says is kind of harmful And that a lot of people in the military Would like to see him arrested It's a weird situation Just, you know, uh, take him with a grain of salt He's definitely pro-Ukraine But uh, locals here, you know they, uh, They're they a bit skeptical about his messages Just, just saying, because he's one of the more Popular guys out there but yeah, that's it for today. i um, probably going go to go sleep. Maybe we're getting up early if some missile hits. Maybe not. Hopefully, we can get some sleep tonight. And as usual, remember that happiness is mandatory.
2: Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right.